Hi guys, it's me, Paula, and I pray, and I just wanted to say hi to everybody. I missed some of you on our call on Tuesday. Uh, we did talk about um, some of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Also, I talked about 1 Corinthians, the book of 1 Corinthians, and about what went wrong in uh, 1 Corinthians as Paul was commenting to the church then about the divisions, and really they're, they're fighting with one another, quarreling, and they came behind in no gift, but yet they had all kinds of divisions among them. So it sort of like our country right now, uh, our families and our church especially. So let's just pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we ask, Lord, right now, there would not be hostility, Lord, that we would pursue, we would desire, we'd have a strong feeling for you and thirst for you and hunger for you, Lord. We would long for you, Lord, and for those things that you have for us, and therefore we'd put the flesh under, we push our carnal mind under, renew our minds to your amazing word, Lord, and that everyone on this podcast will be like, let's get into the word and let's get our minds renewed, get a new attitude. In Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, for being on this podcast with us. Amen. All right. So the greatest gift that um, that Jesus spoke about in the Bible was love. He said, you know, there's going to be gifts, but the greatest of these is love, and he loved and, 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 and uh, charity. He called it charity, actually, in the New King James. So the greatest gift is love, and, and Paul expounds on that in First Corinthians. So if you look at the book of First Corinthians, um, what was the state of conflict? What was the division that was happening in the church at that time? And why were there these dissenting groups, these lobbying, these factions, and these political, even political in a way, uh, heated disagreements? What was this falling out? What was this quarreling all about? Sounds familiar right now. What's going on? So he starts out with saying, grace to you and peace and inner calm. I'm reading out the Amplified Version. And spiritual well-being from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. He says of himself, Paul, always called to be an apostle. He was called to be a special messenger, chosen by Jesus Christ himself. So here we have the great apostle Paul speaking here. And he talks to the church who said, you've been sanctified. You've been set apart. You've been made holy. You've been selected. You're, you're supposed to come together now. So he's speaking. He thanks God for them. But now he has to come in and correct them, saying, you came behind in no spiritual gift. So what's going on? Why is there this strong accusation? Why are you blaming? Why are you pointing the finger? He said, I urge you to come into full agreement with one another. Are you in agreement? Are you in unity? Are you under the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ? Because if you're under his authority, you are going to stop quarreling. He said, there's a house, there's a household. He names the household, Chloe's house. At Chloe's house, there's quarreling and factions I've heard going on there. He says, you know, so I urge you, stop saying, I am this, and I am of Paul, and I am of Apollos, and I am of Peter. They had fights among themselves. Sounds familiar in the church today? Sure. So he said, this division. He said, let me ask you something. Was Paul crucified for you? Was Peter crucified for you? So he's bringing them into unity under the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he begins to talk about preaching Christ. He goes, I came to you not with persuasive message. He said, this message of Christ is a stumbling block to the Jews and to the Gentiles, to the Greeks, 
you know, to the Romans, it's foolish, you see. Because he said the wisdom from above, the wisdom from God can only be discerned by the Spirit of God. So he goes, where are these wise men? Where are these philosophers? Where are these scholars? You know, God, has God not exposed the foolishness of this world through his son, through the crucifixion and the resurrection of his son and glorious ascension into heaven? He said, we are to put our reliance upon the Holy Spirit. So he said, I, I made a decision. I wasn't going to come to you with some ph philosophical, theological discussion, except I was going to tell you the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and him crucified and risen from the dead for our substitution. He paid the price. He paid the ransom. He shed his blood for you. So Paul didn't come with clever, you know, you know, let me let me see if I can do the latte, wear my little jeans, look hip. Everybody comes and watches me. I, I'm really hot, 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 you know, leaders like that. This is the world at end, guys. I didn't come to you that way. I came to you in the demonstration of the power of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. <laughs> I'm not just all talk. Is your life hypocritical? I mean, are you living a double life? Like, on the front, you know, you tell everybody, Christian, 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 Christian. But are you fooling yourselves? Because you have the Holy Spirit in you. So there is a demonstration in your life. You live every day. It's not with quarreling and factions. And, you know, Paul said, no. Your faith should not rest in man or pleasing man or the wisdom of man. It should rest in the power of God, actually. We, he said, do not speak wisdom. We speak a wisdom, he said. Yes, we do. We, meaning himself and others that are spiritually mature. We speak this wisdom to those who have a teachable heart. Notice that. They are under the authority of that love of Jesus Christ. They will receive us, receive us. We speak to the spiritually mature. You know, today, spirituality is a big word. Everywhere you go, spiritual, 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 spiritual. Even some of the Democratic candidates, there's one gal up there who claims to be spiritual. And she just is really different. You know, everybody's talking about her, you know, you know, crystals, using crystals and her, you know, her rhetoric about love and conquering Donald Trump or whatever, whatever her name is. Okay. But, but Paul said, no, here is the wisdom of God. The spiritually mature believers, true believers, have this teachable heart. The wisdom that we preach, he said, is not from the leaders or the rulers of this age. When you look at the candidates and you look at the political parties and, and they're fighting and the mass media and their accusations against our president, when you look at that, all you can see is fighting, division, arguing, the same old, same old, same old thing. They're just blasting. It is a mind control, a political indoctrination going on there to try to persuade the public not to read, not to study, not to find out answers through, really, through God. He is your source through Jesus Christ alone. So he said none of the rulers of this age could recognize the wisdom that God had. Because if they had, they would have never crucified the Lord of glory. The rulers of the age could not know or discern God's what he was going to do. The mystery hidden from ages. Christ would come. Jesus Christ, Messiah, would come. So God says the unveiling or the hidden wisdom 
is through the Holy Spirit. I talk about the Holy Spirit a lot, guys. You know that. He is a person. The Holy Spirit searches all things. He knows the depths and the divine counsels of God. The Holy Spirit knows what's going on. He knows. If you tap into the Lord and you say, Holy Spirit, come on. I'm checking you out. I'm praying. Come, Holy Spirit, every day in your life. Don't tell me he's not going to share with you the revelation of the teaching of the word of God, which is absurd and foolish to those of this world because it's spiritually discerned, you see, through the Holy Spirit. Again, John chapter 14, 15, and 16, I always say that Jesus told us who the person of the Holy Spirit is. When he would come, he is called, his title is the Spirit of Truth. He's the teacher, the revelator, the power of God, the might of God, the dunamis, the dynamite of God. He's going to reveal to us his saints, his true followers, his children, the truth. So if you want to know the mature Christian The mature spiritual man, he says, or woman, questions, examines, and applies what the Holy Spirit reveals. So the Holy Spirit comes. I'm reading the word. I'm studying the word. He starts revealing the truth. Wow, it just leaps right off the page. Then what do I do with it? See, the reason you don't have victory in your life over things, it keeps flaring up and flaring up and flaring up and flaring up, is because you don't apply the word of God to you. You want to apply it to other people, though. You want to judge. You know these people that get up on their moral high horse? If you study and look at their lifestyles and what they've said in their record, past records, wow, it's pretty astonishing. It's pretty astonishing. And, 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 and you're like, no, that's not right. Because we have a moral code. We're supposed to follow God and his word. His word is our is the high standard of authority for measures to the word of God, not to some man. And it's, you know, well, I belong to this thing and this person's trying to have social justice. Well, the guy, my goodness, look at his past and record. It's horrible. Doesn't measure up to a spiritual man, a spiritually mature Christian, I guarantee you. For who has known the mind of God? Who has known the purposes? What is the Lord's purpose? The spirit of God does. You've got the spirit. Come on, apply the spirit. But I'll tell you straight up. The spirit doesn't operate rightly. He doesn't operate rightly, okay, through a vessel that is dishonored, that is not honoring God. He doesn't operate through anyone who is carnally minded or misusing the gifts of God, the revelation of God. Oh, I have a dream of this one person that we know, and, and she's always having a dream, you know. Now, I think that God does give spiritual dreams because he says he will. In the last days, I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. I agree. I believe in visions. I mean, I read this book by Brother E. Hagen when I was a young girl. It's 1980. I believe in visions. And it was his testimony of what happened to him. Mighty man of God. Mighty prophet of God. And so I believe in visions because it's Bible. It's, it's, it's biblical. But... The Bible doesn't say we're to be led by vision. In fact, we have right now before us the holy written word of God. You know, in the Old Covenant, they didn't have, Jesus hadn't died and shed his blood. The New Testament wasn't written. The New Covenant wasn't stated and instituted yet, okay? The New Covenant, the new agreement between God and man. So God had to appear to them. You know, angels did come and visit them. They did have dreams and visions. Of course they did. But now we have the Spirit of God in us. God wants you to be led. 
through your human spirit, your soul, your human spirit, by the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. Always remember this. If I ever taught you anything, it'd be the Word and the Spirit. The Holy Spirit has to agree. Anything contrary, I don't care if you have a dream and it's in vivid color, but if it doesn't line up with the love of God, it's not from God. It could be from your own imagination, your own flesh, your own human soul, okay? But it's not it's not the leading of the Spirit. You see, God is very powerful. He's able to get his message over to you through his word and by the Spirit of God. So be very, very aware of that. So God has his word here, but he talks about the excellence, Paul says here, of love. So love is the way that these things function properly. Obviously, if we are walking in love with one another according to God's love, not that ooey-gooey, fickle feelings, not that love. That's, that's worldly and carnal and fleshly. That never works because one day you're up, next day you're down. One day you're up, next day you're down. I feel good, but then just spout off and you're sarcastic and you're smart and all that. That's not God. That's your flesh. Don't go devil. Just say, my flesh stinks. You're fleshing out, man. You walk in the flesh. You're not walking by the Spirit of God. You're not in the Holy Spirit, in the Word of God. When I say in the Spirit, you're not walking by the Word. You don't apply the Word to your life. You don't have accountability to God. You just kind of no authority. You're just a rebel. You see that? That's a rebel mind. You can't be a rebel and be in Christ's body and be his child. It's impossible. You're going to go one or the other. So your flesh needs to get contained. You need to say, wait a minute. I'm having a day, all right, and it could be a bad day in some ways, okay? Some things are out of order. Let's get it in order right now in the name of Jesus. Right now, I just take authority. I take dominion over the things in the lives that you are li- life you're living right now that seems out of order. In the name of Jesus, I send the word, the word of God that says, Beloved, love one another. That's a simple, simple, simple thing to do if you will humble yourselves. If we would go low, not high horse, not get on your up and up in yourself. I'm gonna I'm gonna hold that against that person and I'm gonna teach them a lesson. You know, oh come on, grow up. You're not teaching anybody a lesson. You're just holding unforgiveness in your heart and you're childish and immature. No wonder your prayers aren't getting answered. Humble yourself, go low before God. Say, Father, I confess that as a fall, as a sin. And admit it, admit it. And then the devil doesn't have any access to attack you. You plug those holes in. You go, nope, I'm going to go to God. And it's none of his business anyway. You see, when you go to your heavenly father in Jesus' name, you have a contract, a covenant between you and Jesus when you're his child. Is not the devil's business about your failures, okay? He shouldn't even be there. But let's just say, for the sake of understanding here, see, just make a picture of this so you can paint this picture. You know, you have a failure of a fault. We're weak. Sometimes we're weak. You know, we fail, right? We're not, we're human. I'm not saying anyone here is perfect. None of us. But when we have a fault, we go over God. We say, Lord, forgive us. You know, when you have a rough day, I've been running like 18 hour days here, getting some project finished and it's for the Lord. It's a ministry. This isn't for me. And it's been hectic and I need help and support. When I don't feel that, it can make it a lot harder on me, right? When I don't feel the support, I say, Lord, he's a no distractions. Finish the goal. Finish it. Finish it. Finish it. 
finish it. You say, that's going to be hard. So what? When he was on the cross, was it hard? When he was suffering and being tortured? Yeah. So I'm like, Lord, whatever I have to do, I humble myself. So during those times when you're in tension, maybe you're moving or maybe there's a financial need or a physical need in your life or, you know, you might be just on a regular day at work, vacationing, whatever, and there's tension there, there's division. Come and together and go low. Say, come on, I just want to tell you I love you and I forgive you and I release you. And that's what I have to do and you need to do it too. If I speak with the tongues of men and angels... But have not love, Paul said, 1 Corinthians 13. If I don't have love growing out of love of God for me, I'm just a noisy gong and a clanging cymbal. You're annoying. See, because that's not how the gifts of the Spirit operate correctly. Been around this a long, long time. Okay, guys? And I can remember many, many times when someone would have a so-called word, spiritual gifts in operation, definitely, word from God. It wasn't exhortive. It wasn't encouraging. It didn't uplift. That was not a prophetic word for the body of Christ, I'm saying, in a public assembly. No, it was wrong. It came off like, oh, oh my gosh, that was horrible. What was that? But all the good times and all the messages God gave through his children that were sanctified and set apart and loved him and loved people that were in the body of Christ. Now, not people. I'm talking about people in the church, their fellow brothers and sisters. You're supposed to love them, by the way. I, is, that not, is that a new idea for you? Well, I just love my family. That's all. Good. You better love your family, especially if they're believers. If you have family of believers, you better treat them like gold. But you're to love the body of Christ, one another. There should be no division there. If somebody comes at you in the body of Christ and attacks you, forgive them, release them, bind that thing. Say, I bind that. I, I cancel those words. If they're speaking something against you or, or speaking negatively, let's just say negatively. Those words affect your spirit. Just take authority over them, dominion. Say, I don't, I don't receive that. Lord, I forgive them and release them. I've had this happen to me as a leader, so I know what I'm talking about. I'm not just talking. I'm telling you real life story here. Real life, real life legacy here, I lead. So understand the mysteries. You can understand so many mysteries, Paul said. You could be so spiritual, right? And you could have so big faith it could remove mountains. You know, people who teach mountain moving faith, they're always talking about faith, faith. Well, faith doesn't work without love. Your faith doesn't work without love. Is that a revelation for you? You won't release your faith to believe God and then in the background you're fighting and arguing and snarky and being unkind. You're fleshing out, sister. You need to calm down and go to God, humble yourself, ask for forgiveness of those. You know, there is a making amends. Do you know people forget that part? There's a part when you are unkind and you've misjudged and you've ruled over somebody and you've fought with them. You're to go make amends. You're to say, one, you know, there's one thing you can do. You can say, I'm sorry. I should not have spoken to you like that. That's how you know you're walking in the love of God. That's how you know you're spiritually mature. Well, I don't have any doctorate, doctoral theological, you know, um, words. I don't have any, you know, blah, blah, doctor. You don't need a theological degree, believe me, <laughs> to say I'm sorry. You don't, you don't need to have, well, if I just went to Bible school for five years and, and got my master's in divinity, then I'd really be, no, no. No. Go low. Go in your prayer closet. You don't need that. You need the Holy Spirit and the Bible. 
And you need believers that will teach you, uh, leaders that will teach you the truth and tell you the truth. That's what you need. So today, he's saying, if I have all these gifts, and I even give my body to be burned, he said, but I have not love. I am nothing. Read it. 1 Corinthians 13, 2. I am nothing. What is that all about? That's That just is, boom, Paul, you just, bam. You just blew that thing up, Paul. You expounded it. I give all my possessions to feed the poor. Well, look at everything I do. I give $100,000 a year to the poor. Wow, I'm going to go to my church today, but I'm mean as hell when I get home. I'm going to be talking to everybody. And you're not walking in love. That's nothing. That, there's no reward for you, brother. <laughs> when you get over on the other side, you might get there. I hope you get there. But when he looks at you, your works are going to be burned up. Okay? Your big money, money thing. Okay, you gave. Love endures. It's patient. It's love is kind. It is thoughtful. It's not jealous. Are you jealous? Do you have a jealous spirit and envious? Are you envious? That's wicked. Do you know the Bible says jealousy is cruel as the grave. It divides, it conquers. And if you ever notice any crimes that are committed that are, they say, well, this was irrational. You know, they committed this crime of passion. It's always out of a jealous rage. The flesh, we're talking about the human flesh, the mind, the flesh, the soul, out of some jealousy, a guy kills his wife or his girlfriend or whatever. It's always out of a jealous rage or a woman. Ugh, I read a story five, four or five years ago of a girl who was dating a really wonderful, well, Christian man, and she was involved with him. They had a relationship, and she came from a very bad family. She got jealous of him because he didn't want anything to do with her. Anyway, he kind of treated her like a whore, like a prostitute, really. At the end, he just, uh, she's not what I want. And he, he met a very nice girl, and he wanted to marry. And she went into his apartment and bloodied, I mean, oh, my gosh, this woman, this young woman, just stabbed the former lover boyfriend. I mean, it's the most bloody crime scene, and she promptly got up and left and walked out and washed her hands. They found her, and she just looks like she's, you know, like she sang Christmas songs to Jesus on her video, and she's just a weird girl. But the thing was, she was she was demonized, I believe, because she went in there in a jealous rage and said, "I'm gonna if anybody's gonna have him, I'm gonna have." What kind of insanity is that, guys? There's been killings recently. When you check out the two killers, the two shooters, what do you find? No father, no relationship, violent video games, an isolated life, and nobody in their lives. See, when we don't have any moral code anymore in our, in our culture, you came from nothing. Isn't that amazing? You just came from nothing. There's no creator. There's no uh, God. Well, you know, when you don't have any conscience anymore, it's hardened knowing right from wrong, you know, you can take it, you can kill, see. There's no, there's no life after death. I don't have to be accountable. You see all of that kind of um, thing that's in our culture? It's senseless murder. It's not Donald Trump. Please, if you, when you hear someone say that, say absolutely not. That, that type of rhetoric needs to be put down by the church. Say, Donald Trump didn't incite the violence. Who's incited it? We know who incites murder and killing, and you can murder someone with your words. Well, I don't do that, but you murder in your heart. The Lord said, tell them you murder in your heart. You make judgments in your heart. 
See, that's murder. You speak words out of your mouth that hurt your loved ones. That's murder. See? Not you, but whoever I'm talking to. I'm not saying you. I'm just general. Anyone can do that. So love doesn't brag. It's not envious. It's not proud. See, a lot of times the, the big sins that you see, you say, well, what do you mean big sin? All sin has its root in one personality, the evil one, okay, the devil. He's a murderer from the beginning, Jesus said. And his personality is violent. And it is pride, pride. Look up the word pride. Just, just do a little research. Don't just sit here. I listen to the stories that Paula tells me I'm fine, but I don't do any re- You go read your Bible, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, about arrogance and pride. That's at the root and the heart of sin. Every sin, it's pride. It's selfish, self, self. It's about you. You know, if you are watching something and you notice all of a sudden your focus is on you, you better go get some mental health. Okay, help professional. You need to go get some help because the focus should be on others if you're a believer. I'm not saying you don't take care of yourself or you don't look good. I'm not speaking about physical things here or going to the doctors or that kind of thing. I'm talking about if your focus is internally on you, you need to go get some help with that. Get you a Christian counselor because something's wrong in your life. It's about You need to focus on the Lord Jesus Christ and the Word of God. Love Him and just be happy that you are saved. Have a happy... You know, I was reading a book years ago when I was studying. I was a children's pastor, but I was also studying a series of books that were written by a wonderful man of God. And it was talking about, you know, having a happy heart. I was looking at my own childhood because I was an abused child. I was an unwanted pregnancy. And everybody knows that. I've shared my testimony, but I'm healed of that, all right? So what God showed me was you didn't grow up with a happy heart. There wasn't anything to look forward to. Wow. Once I gave my heart to Christ and he healed my broken heart. Jesus, by the way, is healer of broken heart. If you have a broken heart, Jesus is your main man. Get Jesus on the main line because he can heal those broken soul holes, emotional wounds that were done against you through releasing, actually, those who have offended you. But let Jesus pour his oil right now in your heart and your mind and your emotions and calm you down and let you know this isn't it, guys. We have a future hope. We have a new home, a new heaven, a new earth coming. Just put your hope and confidence right now, would you? I pray you would. Love is not envious. It is not proud. It's not arrogant. It's not, it's not rude. Like, you know, how's it rude? I mean, Really? You could be watching a program and somebody's talking. Have you ever had that? Have you ever done it? I've done it. I'm guilty of being in church and talking. <laughs> I'm guilty of it. Okay, Lord, I have my hand up right now. But I'm talking about somebody who's interrupting you and is rude. Love is not rude, all right? It's not selfish. And it's not overly, overly sensitive, Oh, that offends me. Everything offends you. I'm sensitive. You're sensitive, all right, but not to other people and their feelings and their illnesses and what they're going through. It's all about you. You won't even go out of your house and meet anyone and share Christ with them. It's all about your little world, your world, my world, my world. Get out, break out, say, Lord, today I want to serve you. I want to be a blessing to everybody. Life is not about you. You're very small, okay, if life is all about you and your little family. Yes, you take care of your family, 
but you love Jesus more. You say, well, that's not really true, Paula. Yes, it is, because Jesus said, you're not fit for kingdom work then. You're not fit. You're not able to do it because your devotion, listen to me, your devotion, I wrote this down in my Bible um, because we have to be more devoted to the Lord. Your, uh, your devotion is not to the Lord. It's to other things of this world. You're, you're preoccupied, all right, but it's not with the things of the Lord because once you fall in love with Jesus, you'll be the best mother. You'll be the best caretaker. You'll be the best sister in Christ. You'll, you'll be the best father. Why? I mean, you know, we have, we're frail, we're human, we have weaknesses. But I mean, you will be up with Jesus and he downloads on you, man, the love that he has for you. You pour that out into others. See it? He'll help you to be the best that you can be. So love isn't rude. It's not easily provoked like just anger. You know, people just fly off at the hand, the handle. They just, they just go off on you. If you've had that happen to you, you're like, what the heck is that? They just get angry. You know, they're just, if you see it right now, you see it in our country. It just, people just fly off the handle. You say something about pro-life or you believe that life is sacred or, you know, you say something about this. Well, you're racist or I'm racist. I mean, you believe you came out of nothing. I believe there's a creator. Who's what? What is that racism? That's not racism. Or I believe life is sanctified and it's holy because it's the life of God in the womb. And at the time of conception, when the egg and sperm, uh, when the egg is fertilized, there is a flash of light that happens. God creates that human spirit. That baby, you're with child. The Lord sees that baby. I knew you before you were formed in your mother's womb. He sees a destiny, the end of that of your life fulfilled in him. So it's not like, well, it's just a blob of tissue or just a cell. No, we talk to people about things like that in this world. They're like all up in your face. Well, women have reproductive rights. Yeah, your reproductive right, the right of the baby to live and not die. Yeah. So make sure you clarify a woman's health is not women's health. Of course, a woman has a right to her health. Of course she does. But health, are you talking about she has cancer? Are you talking about she has a medical condition? See, having pregnancy is not a medical condition in the sense that it's something we have to cut out of you and you have to have surgery. No, please. That's just nonsensical. That's silly. It's so sad, though. So it doesn't rejoice at injustice. Do you rejoice at justice when justice is served? Somebody has had justice in their life that they deserved, when, when, it's, when, when right um, and truth come, when the truth of God is revealed. Are you excited about that? People have a conference and the, the gospel is going forth and people are getting saved and filled with the Holy Spirit and healed. Are you rejoicing at that? Are you like, oh, I'm sitting down. I'm the critic for everybody. You're cynical. Is that what you do? What? You need a heart transplant. <laughs> that means your heart is hardened by the things of this world. You're not believing the truth. And love bears all things, regardless of what comes. It believes all things, looking for the best in each one of us. If you have the true love of God, it's always looking, you know what, I'm going to believe the best. I'm going to believe this person's going to change. They're going to repent. They're going to turn around and they're going to follow the truth now. Okay. That is the attitude of the Lord in us. Now it doesn't always happen that way, but that's the attitude of the Lord. 
Love bears all things. It believes all things. It hopes all things. It's steadfast. That means it's, it's, it's per, it perseveres. It, it's tough. That's a severe pressure that's on you right now. But it, in difficult times, and there are difficult times, and you will be persecuted for righteousness sake. Okay, I'm just, if you, you don't know that when you got saved? Yeah, okay. You endure it, though, without weakening, because love never fails. It never fades out. It never ends. But he said, but, you know, prophecies will end. Tongues will pass away. They will cease. The knowledge will, will stop. You know, we, we don't know. We know in part, fragment, prophesy in part. We're not God, obviously. He gives us, downloads some of his information, a part of it to us, to, to encourage us. But when that which is incomplete and perfect, and the, excuse me, perfect comes, that which is incomplete and partial will pass away. He said, when I was a child, so he's making, making comparison. He's not saying that tongues is obsolete or prophecy isn't important or word of knowledge we don't need to care about. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, I'm here on this earth operating in complete knowledge, in not complete knowledge. When I pass over to the other side, I'm not going to need the gifts of the Holy Spirit. He's saying, we need him here on this planet right now. In the church, when I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I did away with childish things. When you became a woman, in the spiritual sense, you did away with childish You grew up. He said, we do see through a glass darkly. We, we're in a mirror, and it's blurred. But when that... When the time of perfection comes, we'll see in reality, we'll see face to face. We will see him face to face and we'll know all things then. We'll be known by God and we will know it, the truth. And now there remains faith, hope, and love. That's unselfish love, guys. That's choosing to love. It's not your selfish love, the flesh. The greatest of these, he says, is love. And then he goes on to say, pursue this love. Why? Pursue that God kind of love, God kind of love, unselfish love, because it's what will cultivate and help you to be used as a blessing in the spiritual gifts on this planet. It will help you. It'll be the motive. In other words, the love of God in you is what motivates me to preach. It's what motivates me to teach. It's what motivates me to pray for everyone and for you as well. It's the love of God. I, I, I don't have any other motive. My, I have no hidden mo- motive. For that. And so today the message is on love. But repentance is a change of heart, a turning away from and turning to God. So the walk of faith is a walk of love. And that's how the gifts of the Spirit, guys, is going to operate. There's not going to be hostility, there's not going to be division. There's not going to be um, refusal to come under the authority that the Lord has placed, what Paul had to deal with in these churches. He had to deal with that. He had with people coming in and, and saying, well, we're teachers. Paul's not really an apostle. <laughs> it's false teachers. False prophets came in and tried to divide. Is someone trying to tear you away or cause you to doubt? You know who that someone is? It's the enemy of your soul. God's enemy and your enemy. Because he doesn't want you to come into agreement. He doesn't want you to pray. He knows you're powerful. He knows if your family got together in agreement, you humbled yourselves. And everybody humbled themselves, you know, whatever that means in your case. I don't know. And you said, Lord, I'm going to do your will. I'm going to serve you. I love you. I'm going to pursue. I'm going to pursue you, Lord. I'm going to go after you. I'm going to get into unity. I'm not going to be hostile. I'm going to aspire to and, 
and thirst for and have a strong desire for spiritual gifts, but I'm going to walk in love. And once you make up that decision, once you make that decision that you're going to walk in love, you will repent and you will turn to God. And you will see that before there can be a great revival, a true revival in our nation, which we need desperately, I believe there will be, there's going to be repentance. So Lord, Father God, restore your love to us. Your word says love never fails. You are our master. We know that we have often failed, Lord. We faint because we lose sight of love. So by your grace, we, we purpose to identify with your love and to be faithful in prayer until you even touch people right now in the name of Jesus who are not walking in love and repent, Lord and that they will come to you. We also purpose to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit in our own family, city, and nation. We cry out to you for our nation, Lord. Help us, Father, discern the truth in prayer and make it a priority in our lives. We pray, Father, in Jesus. Jesus, come, Lord Jesus. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. We need fervent prayer. We need more prayer. We need day and night prayer. Great and awesome are you, Lord. Help us to come together in prayer. Lord, help us to be humble every day. We thank you for legal protection against the ruler of this world who has been judged. And our our sins, Father, our debts have been nailed to Christ's cross and canceled. You disarmed the principalities and powers arrayed against us in John 16, 11, Colossians 2, 13 through 15. Because of you, Jesus, we have a legal right to be protected from her enemy and to even triumph over him. Your sacrifice was so complete on the cross, Lord. We have your protection. We come under your covering, humble our covering and humble ourselves, Lord. Christ's death is the lawful platform for which our church will rise today and do spiritual prayer and warfare and pray for America and pray for President Donald Trump. Pray for our nation. In the name of Jesus. Guys, I thank you for this time. I praise God for you. Thank you for being part of my ministry call. I love you and I bless you. Have a wonderful day. God bless, guys. Bye-bye.